he's wrong. The weak ones are there to testify the strong. The beautiful people, the beautiful people. It's all relative to the size of your steeple. You can't see the forest for the trees, and you can't smell your own on your knees. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the very first episode of the Suds and the Squared Circle podcast. I am Vinny Apicello. Yes, I am back with another uh, podcast that I'm looking at for wrestling and soap operas and everything in between and stuff that you might not think is soap opera or wrestling worthy, but you know what? It's just fun to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about mainly General Hospital because that's uh, the soap opera that I talk that I watch uh, religiously. I've been watching General Hospital now for over a decade. Uh, my mother started. My mother was watching it, you know, before I was born as a you know teenager when she got out of school. Uh, and then when I was off school while I was growing up, she would always be watching the three ABC soaps: uh, All My Children, One Life to Live, and General Hospital. And then, you know, I just happened to start watching General Hospital and getting into the point where it became. I couldn't miss it. And that's how it is now. I watch it daily. I watch it on Hulu. Uh, there are some days I miss, so I catch up. But ultimately, I do watch it uh, every night on Hulu. I can't stand commercials. That's why I can't watch it during the day. But also, you know, life happens, and you get to the point where you're working, and, uh, you know, and even with cutting the cord, you know, I don't get ABC on my rabbit ears antenna, or my digital HD antenna, I should say. Uh, and I also don't have cable. You know, so I have Hulu. And you know, that's the way it happens now. Uh, so I do have a great, vast knowledge of General Hospital for at least the past decade, if not more, maybe 15 years at this point. Uh, but I'm going to be talking about the present. With wrestling, I've been a wrestling fan my entire life. Uh, I remember my first uh, time watching it. You know, I watched Superstars religiously every Saturday morning. I would be watching... Uh, every pay-per-view on my at my grandmother's house because she had the uh, cable, you know, the pay-per-view descrambler, as well as you know when I got older, just religiously watching it. I don't watch a lot of the current product now. I'm gonna admit that I watch. I actually did watch this past Monday Night Raw um, on Hulu, the Hulu version of Monday Night Raw, because I can't watch this three hours, especially if I'm working. Uh, but I'm not gonna wait a month for it to come on the Peacock. So. I will uh, watch the Hulu version of Monday Night Raw. I'll watch SmackDown. I actually did start watching last Friday SmackDown, and I have a feeling it's going to get better with the you know the news that's been all over the internet. It's obviously not breaking news, but I do feel that WWE's television product is going to get a whole lot better for a couple of reasons. I don't go go into that uh, you know on this episode. I don't watch AEW. I follow the majority of the news and notes of AEW and uh, results of AEW that I do follow, it's because of the simple fact that I listen to Jim Cornette's podcasts and listen to him. Now I know that's skewed because of the simple fact that Jim Cornette is, you know, he will tell like it is when it comes to AEW, when it comes to the, uh, uh, you know, what the criticism of AEW, what's good, what's bad, what's ugly, and I agree with a lot of what he says. Now, I'm not watching AEW myself because I'm not completely interested in a lot of what AEW had to offer. I started watching it when it first came out. I watched probably Dynamite for maybe the first year, uh, year and a half. And, and, you know, I never really watched Rampage. I haven't bought their pay-per-view, so I watched it later on on Bleacher Report. Um, but I don't like a lot of the new style of flip flip flop and fly you know and unfortunately that's what they do a lot of there's very little storytelling on the you know on the AEW product and that's one of the things that I really you know really don't like so with that said I'm not going to talk much about AEW unless I really get into it again and start watching it or there's some newsworthy stuff um, Tony Khan also is a uh somebody who I really, you know, 
I, I've never met the guy. I respect him for wanting to bring, uh, you know, an alternative to the WWE. Uh, but the way he's going about it, it's just not something that I feel is uh, going to last, especially now. Uh, and I feel there's a lot of problems with how he's running AEW and Ring of Honor. Uh, but I'll, you know, I'll get into that over time. You know, you'll kind of learn my idiosyncrasies and what I like and dislike about WWE as well, uh, as, as well as the AEW. Um, I don't watch New Japan. I hardly ever tune into Impact. Uh, I don't really watch MLW. So it's, you know, mainly WWE wrestling for me. And you know what? A lot of the wrestling that I watch is older stuff. You know, like I, I love having the WWE Network on Peacock, although I prefer to have the WWE Network instead of Peacock. Um, but whatever, I can't, you know, beggars can't be choosers, right? Uh, so I do. I watch a lot of the old Legends of Wrestling roundtable discussions. I watch a lot of the documentaries. I, I'm loving the A&E series of biographies on WWE Hall of Famers as well as WWE Rivals and Smack Talk. Can't wait for uh, the, you know, most hidden treasures to come back. And, you know, Jim Cornette, while I'm not, I'm going to leave politics out of this podcast. This podcast is not about politics. The one thing about it I will say is, while I differ with Jim Cornette on politics, I completely agree with him in wrestling. So, that's why I listen to his podcast religiously, no matter how off the wall his politics are. That's the only thing I'm going to talk about politics. I'm going to leave this politics free. Um, over the next few weeks, I am going to set up some interviews with some other podcasters from both General Hospital and WWE uh, or wrestling uh, realms of, of podcasting. I'm looking at uh, podcast uh, interviews with uh, the guys from Ring the Bell Radio. I'm looking at um, uh, also Max Updates GH on Twitter. He and his family, or he and his father, I should say, I'm looking to get an interview with them. Um, the oh, for oh, forgive me. Um, uh, their their last name I can't I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, Tomlin. There we go. So uh, I'm looking to get interviews with them. I'm also looking to get interviews with uh, the ladies from Pier Pier Fifty Four, a General Hospital fan podcast. There I was on their podcast last year, and I've been listening to their uh, recaps as well as. Fan spotlights and uh, for uh, Port Charles 411s um, religiously. Uh, James Law Jr., uh, I'm looking to try to get an interview with him. I know he's a busy guy and he actually does podcasting for a living, not as a hobby. Uh, looking to get uh, interviews with uh, perhaps the, the folks, uh, Matt and Kat, or at least just Matt from 10th Floor General Hospital. Um, all these are podcasts that you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube. Um, all the different genres and, and apps that you can find them on. Um, I listen to them religiously. As well as, I mean, I wish I could try to get an interview with Conrad Thompson or Bruce Pritchard. Or, well, Bruce is probably busy as hell at this point. Uh, but anybody from the Ad-Free Shows Network, I listen to the majority of their shows. Um, and I, you know, listen to a lot of them. I'm literally listening to podcasts almost all the time. I have them in the, on the car, have mine when I'm uh, doing workouts that are not kickboxing based, uh, and I do have them on uh, while I'm at work and, uh, you know, in my earbuds. So, I'm listening to podcasts all the time, as well as watching General Hospital and, you know, trying to keep up as much as I can with the uh, landscape of wrestling as it is. So... What do we talk about today? Well, there's a lot of stuff going on in General Hospital now. A lot of stuff that's actually quite polarizing in the General Hospital fandom now. Um, that's one of the good things I love about soap operas and General Hospital in general. The reason being is that I happen to love the dr drama aspect, which is why we watch soap operas, right? We love the drama. We love the, you know... Mystery behind it. There hasn't been a lot of mystery recently. It's like they've clued the fans on to a lot of stuff that the other characters on set don't know. Uh, but at the same time, I do happen to enjoy the, you know, how to how to how you get to it. There are some storylines that are just dragged out too long. There are some characters that I happen to love because of how they're doing it. 
and other people are hating on. And that happened with Peter August. Uh, when Rush, when Russ, Wes Ramsey was portraying Peter August on the General Hospital landscape, he had some really bad go-away heat with a lot of the fans. I loved the character. Um, and I, you know, in one of my other podcast iterations, I absolutely told, you know, I told him how much he reminded me of a late 80s, 90s heel on WWE programming, especially one like Jake the Snake Roberts, um, who had that psychology down. And one of the things I loved about Peter August's acting, or Wes Ramsey's portrayal of Peter August, was the fact of his quiet t talking. He wasn't somebody who was going to really yell and scream and, you know, to get his point across. He was very soft-spoken. Um, someone like a Jake the Snake Roberts in the 80s or 90s, or even a Macho Man Randy Savage, where he would have that different inflection in his tone of voice, where he'd be very low, making you wanted to, making you, forcing you to listen to what he's saying, and then all of a sudden he would get very loud and ooh yeah, and get the point across. Um, I'm not a huge impression person. I could do a pretty good Macho Man Randy Savage, sometimes Hulk Hogan, but um, I'm not as talented as some of the other podcasters out there, so I'm going to try to keep it to a minimum. Uh, but, yeah, so I happen to enjoy Wes Ramsey's work as Peter August. That character was great. I'm hoping that he's not dead, then he comes back. Or, you know, they recast Wes Ramsey as somebody else, but I don't like the, re the recasting so much. But that's another story. Um, or repackaging, I should say. Um, with that said... Let's kind of get on to some of the news and notes that's currently happening in Port Charles. We've all known for the almost a year now, if not over a year, that has it been a year that uh, was that that had that uh, sex tape brought out. Um, no, I don't think it was a year. I think it was probably towards the uh, maybe six seven months ago in the uh, well, which you know, almost a year I guess. Uh, the cabin excursion with uh, Joss and Cam, Spencer and Esme, and Trina being the fifth wheel. And this was back when uh, the previous uh, portrayer of Tina, uh, Trina was uh, doing it. Um, she was obviously recast for her own choice of going to school rather than acting. Um, but I have to say that it's kind of gone a little... Now, when you think about court cases, and especially the legal system, it does go slow. There are a lot of times where poor Charles's legal system and judicial system go very quickly to the point where they get them into uh, court very unrealistically fast. I'm not sure if this is necessarily one of those times uh, where, you know, it's you know six or seven months for a criminal trial, maybe more realistic. So Trina's obviously facing the charges of revenge porn and dissemination of revenge porn and uh, you know whatever else they're doing it's the criminal trial about you know having using the the black market phone and the idea that Spencer is working against Esme has been in the works for a while like he told he shared it with cam that he was working at you know trying to help Trina but in a very backwards kind of way and you know he wanted to hold the secret and he told Cam and Cam was okay holding the secret for a while but then he wanted to tell Joss because Joss is his girlfriend and not to mention that the sex tape was of Cam and Joss and you know whatever. Esme has you know gotten to the point where she's another character that is a fantastic villainous, a fantastic heel. Um, she's almost like a sensational Sherry type of heel. And yes, you'll hear, hear me go back and forth between wrestling and um, soap operas, especially when it comes to analogies throughout this entire show and podcast, because that's what I do. That's that's how we equate things. Uh, you know, Sensational Sherry was a fantastic um, heel, especially as a manager, when she was a manager of, uh, you know, Macho King Randy Savage or Ted DiBiase or, uh, you know, going back even farther. Shawn Michaels, perfect example, you know, when, when she, you know, was the manager of Shawn Michaels. And, you know, 
she was just that woman you love to hate because she was so good at manipulation and so good at you know getting her point across and that's what Esme is of course the scenes with the scenes with Esme and uh, Kevin uh, not Kevin Ryan are absolutely hysterical they're very very creepy um, and I know there's a lot of the I'm not going to say prudes but a lot of people who are turned off by the interaction with Hesme and and Ryan because, you know, how she calls him daddy in that special tone where at first I thought, you know, he was more of her sugar daddy than her actual father, biological father. Um, especially when she came up with that line of, you like when I call you daddy, don't you? Or, or something like that. And yeah, it was very cringeworthy. But that's the kind of thing that's actually very endearing to her. Uh, as a villainess, is that she's able to manipulate with her words, with her actions, you know, f flaunting her sexuality as a young 20-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old, whatever, however old she is. And, you know, that's how she got Nicholas to sleep with her, which, again, a lot of people were turned off by. But that's kind of long-term storytelling for General Hospital because I believe it was Nicholas's father that had slept with one of Nicholas's girlfriends as well. So kind of turnabout is, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So we'll see in about 30 years whether Spencer <laughs> sleeps with his son's girlfriend. Um, but at the, but the, the thing that I really loved about Esme is that she's vindictive, she's manipulative, and now she's at a character crossroads. Does she take the bait that Spencer is offering her to exonerate Trina. Does she, you know, and, and we all know that Spencer's bluffing. Spencer's bluffing. He doesn't know who Esme's mother is. I mean, the, the rumor mill has had it. It probably, it could be Felicia who is Esme's uh, mother, which is why Felicia, you know, is the one that ratted out Esme seeing uh, Ryan while he was in General Hospital. Um, but, with the with the same token, I'm I'm anxious to see what decision she's going to make. Is she going to choose, you know, to, to really want to know her mother, and then it all comes crashing down, or is she going to continue on to the plan of, you know, sticking with the story, and then Trina ends up going to jail? I don't foresee. Let me put it this way: I don't foresee bringing on a new car new new actress to. Pr I'm sorry. The good clerk turn is to call them all actors. Bring on a new portrayer to to portray Trina just to have her go to prison and be written off or, or only shown a few times. You know what I mean? Um, so I fully expect Esme to uh, kind of turn back on her story so that Trina goes free. And then that will set up the entire storyline of who is Esme's mother. Kind of reminds me of the old South Park um, storyline, who is Cartman's father. Um, and turns out that the mother was actually the father because she was a hermaphrodite. So then they, you know. Um, so that would actually be kind of intriguing. And then that would bring more Felicia to the limelight and revisiting the Ryan-Felicia dynamic. Now, is that when Ryan is going to kind of expose himself to everybody that he's not locked in anymore? We as an audience know that he's not locked in. But outside of that, you know, nobody outside of him and Esme know that he's not locked in. So, with that said, um, this could be this could bring Mac and Felicia into a more of a role. Now they did they did put Christina Wagner on contract, and at this point in time, being that her son passed away, or uh, Christina Wagner's real life son passed away about a month, month and a half ago now. We're probably getting to some of those episodes where she probably hasn't been in because of grieving and uh, funeral, etc. Trying not to be a little, trying not to be insensitive here. So maybe they're gonna push it off a little bit, but that might be something you know for the immediate future to have Felicia more involved, and then you have the the uh, little bit of tension there between Esme and Maxie. You know, and not to mention the, the question about Felicia's mothering instincts 
has been brought up and how her and Mac want to have a child. And, you know, they're both in their 50s, so I, I would assume Felicia's gone through menopause. I don't know for a fact. You know, they haven't really talked about that. But who the hell knows at this point? You never know what... I mean, you never know what could happen in, in, in soap. I mean, Carly was just pregnant and gave birth a couple of years ago to Donna, right? Um, who actually ended up coming out with spina bifida. And they don't show much of that anyways. But that's neither here nor there. Um, with that said, let's uh, kind of move on. Like, that storyline I can't wait to see. Um, one of the storylines that I'm really not having fun with or, or really not understanding the, the concept behind or at least waiting for it, them to kind of show us what the uh, background is and, and why it is what it is is the storyline between Cody and Britt. Now we know that Cody knew the name Cesar Faison and was intrigued when Dante said that Faison was Britt's father. Now we don't know what or why Cody is trying to blackmail Spinelli for creating that society setup thing and, and force him to, you know, control the algorithm to get Brit and Cody to be matched on there. I don't know what the, I, I, we still don't know what the, you know, stakes are, what's in it for Cody. You know, now Josh Kelly, who portrays Cody, is fantastic. He was cutter on General Hospital, on, uh, on One Life to Live. Um, right before One Life to Live was canceled, and then he was br brought on by Prospect Park when they did the short uh, and limited online series of One Life to Live as a club owner. I don't know why they didn't just bring Cutter in. He could have, you know, they, they honestly could have brought him in as the one that sold, sold Esme the black market phone as a club owner, and that could have been quite intriguing. Um, but they brought him in as a different character, his new character, Cody Bell. Um, for long-time General Hospital fans, you'll notice the last name Bell, Catherine Bell, um, you know, and, but we don't know what the tie-in is to Faison or to Brit. Um, could it be, I, I mean, for lack of a better term, could it be Peter August with a new face? That, that's never happened, you know, not like that's never happened before. Um, but, but, you know, it's, it's amazing how, um, this is going to, I'm waiting to see how this is going to play out. Um, I'm not going over anything that really happened this week, being that today is Thursday, um, July 20, 28th. Um, I'm basically going off of last week's um, episodes. Um, my schedule is pretty tight to the point where I could only record so often. So, I'm not going to go over too much of this week's. I'll probably wait till next week and, you know, so on and so forth. So, I won't be able to release on Sundays like a lot of the recap shows. Um, but it's alright. You'll Hopefully, you'll still listen to it. And we'll get some good numbers. Um, so, Cody obviously took the job as a quartermain cowboy, rancher, stable hand, stable person um, to stay in Port Charles. Um... And I, I'm telling you, that stable looks better than my apartment. But then again, with quarter main money, you know, you would expect that, right? Um, so, that's uh, the biggest thing. And I'm still waiting to find out exactly, you know, what is um, what is up with Cody and why he's, a Brit, why he's uh, you know, chasing Brit so badly. Uh, I mean, Brit is a gorgeous woman and, and a smart woman and, a, you know, a doctor at that. But, he, you know, if it was just on the up and up, he's trying too hard to get with her. You know, if you understand what I'm saying. Um, Brooklyn and, and Chase, you know, that this is the, the relationship that isn't simply because of the fact that they're just, they're still not together. They're still kind of floating around. Will they, won't they? Um, you know, Chase and Brooklyn are... You know, coming up with a scheme to outlink and get Brooklyn's music back and have Chase as a singer and, um, you know, get Link to notice him in the uh, open mic night at the, float at the uh, not the floating rib, no, at the uh, Haunted Star. Um, now that uh, Lulu is in a coma, who owns the Haunted Star? Is it Laura? Is it 
somebody else? Because I know Johnny Zakara is not on campus, not you know, not in uh, not in Port Charles right now. And I think he sold his half to Lulu, and I have no idea. Maybe Mac is taking over because he's the one that was running uh, the open mic night. But regardless, um, I I, I want to see the Chase in Brooklyn relationship kind of speed up a little bit. Like I love. Don't get me wrong. Just to be clear, I love long-term storytelling. I feel that long-term storytelling is something that soap operas and wrestling both need to look back on. Unfortunately, the audience has more of a, you know, kind of quick, 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 get this done now. You know, there's no patience anymore. Um, I do happen to enjoy I mean, if you think about it, this is long-term storytelling with Chase in Brooklyn. How many times did Chase have to... Uh, arrest Brooklyn for one thing or another. Right as soon as she started coming back on campus and on uh, set, on stage, back into Port Charles, I mean, he arrested her numerous times. And then to pose as, you know, uh, um, Louise's or Bailey's daddy, you know, to help ward off Peter from Maxie and, and, and all that kind of stuff and how, you know, they kind of have grown to become friends and now they're really to the point where they're more than friends they're just not not, not acknowledging it um, or they're trying to stay away from it uh, I want to see that kind of pick up steam a little bit I like where they're going I, I the, the pacing is a little off for me though and that could just be a COVID problem you know what I mean like just kind of spacing it out and re-editing things you know they've had to have Michael recast for a while with uh, Robert Adamson I think his name is and um, who's who was doing a great job as a, as a you know, a temporary Michael. Um, and they've had some recasts with Alexis and, and everybody, you know. Um, Laura Wright, Carly, is the last one to come down with COVID. Will they recast her? But I think they've actually been... Um, I actually, but, but they've actually been on break. They're just getting back to the studio now. So um, maybe they won't have to recast Carly for a while. I mean... You know, they'll just give her some time off, apparently, I assume. And not to mention, I mean, Carly is obviously one of the leading ladies, but it's okay to take a break, right? Um, I'm not sure what's going on with Maxie and Austin. I'm not, you know, Austin talking to that guy on the boat, you know, the bald-headed goon, so to speak, saying that there was a woman that was, you know, waiting for him to finish whatever he had done. Time was up, and what's up with that? Like... The storyline with Austin is hit or miss right now. Like, it starts and it stops. It just gets a little, um, that the, the, the little things that are there and the little bit of, of story, and then it just stops, and then it goes elsewhere, and it goes bye-bye, and they drop it, and then they pick it up, and then they drop it, which, again, is long-term storytelling, but who is Austin? Like, it would be nice to kind of clue the audience in a little bit. Like, is Austin a... Uh, somebody who's trying to uh, portray Dr. Austin Gatlin Holt, but it really isn't, and trying to get that quarter main money, although that storyline seems to be over now, and now he's with Maxie, and, uh, you know, is he under the under the pay of Selena Wu? Seeing as the woman, as the guy said, oh, she's running out of time, or she's running out of patience, and the time is over now, and you have to get back to Pawtuck. Or is it his mother that's still alive? Um... Uh, you know, or is Jimmy Lee Holt still alive? And, you know, so we don't know yet. We don't know exactly what is going on with that storyline, with that dynamic, with those threats. Um, I'm, I'm anxious to see how that's going to play out. Um, Spinelli obviously came out to Maxie and said that, uh, you know, Society Setups was his brainchild. And after, you know, Ellie left him and he was so you know, distraught, and he wanted to get back on the dating scene, that he figured, why not make some money off of other, other suckers and saps and everything, um, and Zelda was a figurehead now, public face for the company, um, you know, and, you know, it, supposedly his algorithm is, uh, superior to other dating sites, and, you know, um, and not to mention, you know, thinking about it, Maxi had asked Spinelli why... Now, I'm getting a lot of my uh, um, notes from SoapCentral.com along with what I watch, right? So, 
Maxi had asked Spinelli, um, you know, why he put, didn't put his own face on the company. And, you know, Spinelli has a lot of insecurities, and, you know, he's kind of, he's not the stereotypical bachelor-looking guy. Although, you know, he's kind of matured a bit, now that he's got some facial hair, and he's not so off-the-wall goofy, I guess. You know, now that, I hate to say it, but now that Jason's not there, Spinelli's kind of coming into his own, and finally having his own storyline, and he's not just the sidekick of Jason. Um, so... You know, we'll see where that goes to and, and how that's going to unfold for him and what that's going to mean for Spinelli. Um, you know, so... It's just, just, you know, wanting to play out. And we'll see how that is going to go. Um, and, you know, the, the whole thing with, with, um, with Curtis, you know, finding... Um, what's his name? Oz? The guy that sold the black market phone? Now... What's funny to me is that there's supposedly in Port Charles there's only one person that that deals in black market phones. Like Trina and Josh go and find this guy at that bar, and then the bar fight breaks out and everything, and they're trying to talk about you know he, they found out that he's the one that sold the black market phone to Trina, but then Marshall calls his friend, who's happens to be in New York City, and then he's like, yeah, where can I get a black market phone? And it happens to be the same guy. And that, you know, so they follow him, and, you know, he boards a launch to, you know, they, they confront him, and then they, he boards a launch to uh, Windermere to talk to Esme, you know, is not seen coming back to the main lo- mainland, um, and then all of a sudden, Selena Wu tells Curtis that, you know, that's exactly where he, you know, where, where he lives, and then, you know, so there's supposedly one guy in town that, that deals in black market phones, right? Which is amazing to me. Um, and then, you know, they're hoping that, obviously, um, Curtis and Marshall are working for Trina. They're trying to, find, you know, get this guy to testify against Esme and, you know, testify that Trina was not the one that bought the phone from him. Which, I mean, Jordan's, and I'm not sure if we're going into next week or not. Which I think, um, yeah, I think... Uh, going backwards um, Jordan testified this week not last week but her testifying was fantastic and on point um, oh yeah but yeah Friday was actually um, where Esme had um, gone to Oz's place and this is right after Curtis had found out from Selena from his woo where he lived so um Esme had drugged Oz, and, you know, now he's in a medically induced coma. But, honestly, he, uh, you know, they started making out, and then Esme had, you know, um, you know, Esme had put the pills in, in, uh, in, in Oz's drink, and, and then all of a sudden now he's, uh, incoherent, and he's, you know, sluggish and everything, so... I think it's all starting to break down now, and the fact that, you know, Curtis was right outside the room at the end of Friday's episode, you know, right outside the apartment, and Esme was hiding, and, you know, whatever the case is, when when, um, Curtis, you know, kicked in the door and found him, um, and now that Britt, well, now we're getting into this week, but I think this is going to be the turning point into the fact that we're going to find out exactly, uh, and get... Trina exonerated without Esme going to prison. So this is what's this is how it's going. There there probably be a warrant and and you know there's still no legitimate proof except for Spencer against Esme saying oh I found these pills in her in her you know whatever and I took them to Britain. We'll we'll see how it goes. I want to see how that's going to play out if Esme is going to turn herself in to go to prison or if she's going to. Um, keep up the charade. So we'll see. Um, moving on. Moving on. Moving on. That's about it for you know for General Hospital for the storylines that happened last week. Um, I mean, there's still the over the um, the underlying storyline of Portia being worried about Marshall's schizophrenia if it's gonna if it's uh, genetic. At this point in time, she's still wrestling with 
you know, telling Curtis that Trina is his daughter rather than Taggart's. And honestly, at this point, nobody really cares. Because, like, the time to bring it out to Curtis has passed. If Portia brings it out to him now, it's going to ruin their relationship. Um, obviously, him and Jordan are technically still married because of, you know, uh, the divorce papers not being filed and thrown away when Stella had her stroke or, or passed out at the, at the Kelly's. Um, so, that's a pretty good storyline that's going to be coming out any time now. At least I hope it is. <laughs> um, so, moving on. How do, we, how do we transition from General Hospital to quite possibly the biggest news in wrestling? Um, obviously, again, it's not breaking news at this point in time. Uh, Vince McMahon in the midst of facing all these allegations and um, inquisitions about sexual misconduct and, you know, uh, you know, paying for all these NDA, NDAs, apparently $12 million to these previous employees about sexual uh, relationships to keep under wraps, amid all these allegations and speculations, has decided at 77 years old, first of, first of all, he stepped down um, and temporarily stepped down as CEO and chairman and put Stephanie McMahon as a interim chair, chairwoman and CEO. You know, it's amazing. They don't want us to uh, special, special, um, call actors and actresses by gender specific, um, right? But yet chairman and chairwoman is okay. Makes no sense when it comes to business. But regardless. So Stephanie McMahon was interim chairwoman and CEO, but now... But now, as of last, this past um, Monday, no, Friday, no, Monday, right? No, it was this past Friday. As of this past Friday, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, which would be Friday the 22nd of July, at 77 years old, has retired from the WWE. Stephanie McMahon becomes permanent chairwoman of WWE, and... Her and Nick Khan are the co-CEOs. Nick Khan has never been in the wrestling business, although he came in about, I want to say about two to three years ago now and made a splash in the WWE. But that's not the bigger news. Bigger news, after his health scare last year, Triple H is now back as EVP, Executive Vice President of Talent and Creative. So, what does that tell you, folks? That means there's going to be a change in town when it comes to storylines, when it comes to the writing. This past Monday Night Raw was still a Vince show, but Triple H had his hands on it, and I think Paul Heyman's going to be involved in the creative a little bit more. Remember, Triple H and Paul Heyman have a pretty good relationship. Triple H, or Paul Heyman and Stephanie have a love on again, off again, love, love-hate relationship, so I think it's going to work. Um, you know, a lot of speculation that Kevin Dunn may be out next, which would be good. Um, Kevin Dunn has been there for like 35 to 40 years. He's been Vince McMahon's right-hand person. And, you know, he's fantastic as it comes to production, but he's somebody else who doesn't follow the wrestling, you know, style. You know, the the feud between him and Jim Cornette is widely, widely um, known. And, <clears throat> and so he may be out because I don't think he sees eye-to-eye with Triple H on a lot of things either. Uh, because as you can tell, the, Kevin Dunn wasn't working on NXT when Triple H was in charge of it, so that's something to look into. Also, you have um, what does that say? For, what does that mean for Bruce Pritchard? I mean, is Bruce still you know the executive director, uh, uh, you know, in charge of uh, creative? Is he still going to be involved, or is he going to be back on the unemployment line, or is he going to be just in talent, or? You know, Bruce is somebody who's been with WWE on and off more times than not. Um, obviously, he came back, I want to say, back in 2019. Um, well, let's see. When, yeah, because I was working there. It had to be 2018 or 2019. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was 2019. March of 2019 when Bruce went back. Because uh, I remember, because I went to go see something to wrestle with 83 Weeks Live and, you know, at Mohegan Sun when they were in Connecticut that time. Um, but 
I, I, I want to see how this is going to go forward, starting with SummerSlam. You know, the rumors had been active that WWE is going back to a TV-14 rating for Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, and then with Triple H now in charge of creative, let's see how it goes. This past Monday, there were sprinklings in of, uh, you know, Triple H's creative. And he had a really great meeting with talent beforehand, saying that he wants to have more transparency between the talent and creative. Uh, easier to talk to him rather than waiting for hours outside of Vince's door just for them to be given their notice or um, shot down or what have you. So I want to see, you know, it's not going to be as bad as AEW, you know. On AEW, a lot of the talent creates a lot of their own stuff with Tony Khan just being okay with it. Triple H at least has a mind for wrestling business. So we're going to see how this is going to how this is going to turn out. Now, this is is it going to be in charge of all three brands? Um, Raw, SmackDown, and NXT 2.0, which looks like unicorn vomit. Um, so let's see how it goes. And uh, I'm anxiously awaiting this. I really am. Um, so SummerSlam coming up this Sunday, and uh, the stage is set. Now, I do want to say that, you know, Riddle has been uh, injured. So the Seth Rollins, or Seth freaking Rollins, versus Riddle match at SummerSlam was postponed because of the um, injury. So here's the updated match card for... SummerSlam, which is this Saturday, July 30th, two days from today, live on Peacock. It's the premium live event, right? Um, SummerSlam kickoff is at 7 p.m. on WWE.com, Peacock, and WWE social platforms, including YouTube, TikTok, etc., etc. Um, main event, undisputed WWE Universal title, last man standing match, Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Um... Seth Rollins will not, and better not, be added to that match. Um, I want to see this be the last match in general. Although, what I don't like is that they still have the titles together. And Roman Reigns has the titles together. I want to see the titles separated. But, um, this is for all the marbles. I, I, look for, I look for Reigns to come out of this as the winner. Um, who knows, especially after Vince retiring, if Lesnar is going to stick around. Uh, I'm not sure what... Lesnar's relationship is with Triple H, and if Triple H will continue to pay for the um, pay as much as Vince did for the uh, attraction that is Brock Lesnar. SmackDown Women's Championship match: Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. I look for Rousey to win it. I mean, Liv Morgan has had her time in the sun, but I'm not sure if realistically, given everything on a fair playing field, if Liv Morgan can beat Ronda Rousey. Maybe a disqualification or count out. Maybe it'll be a, maybe it'll be something like Ken Shamrock where he has the match won, but he refuses to let go of the submission hold, so the referee reverses the decision on a disqualification. That might be some good storytelling. Um, Raw Women's Championship match: Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. I look for Bianca to keep the title. I mean, it's a rematch from last year's SummerSlam where Becky came back as a last-minute substitution and, and beat Bianca in 35 seconds. I don't think it's going to be. Uh, a very quick match this time around, um, but I do look for Bianca to keep the title. Uh, U.S. Championship match, Bobby Lashley, the champion, is defending against Theory, who is the definitely the guy with the rocket strapped to his ass. Um, I want to see, I, I would love to see uh, Theory win this one. I like Bobby Lashley, but Theory can't, after this past Monday Night's Raw, and how Theory dominated the first hour and was beat down for the majority of it, I don't want to see Theory lose on pay-per-view again. Um, I want to see him beat Lashley. And, and and Lashley will still stay strong. So, I mean, I, I would love to see... I would love to see some shenanigans come out where, you know, the Hurt Business is reformed. You know, he's... You know, with Shelton and uh, Cedric, you know, as, as baby faces. MVP is with Omos, so that's not going to work. But at least with Lashley there. So, let's see how that turns out. Uh, undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship match again. Uh, again, I wish they would keep the titles separate. Um, the Usos versus the Street Profits with special guest referee, Girl Double J Hall of Famer Jeff Jarrett. Um, Jeff Jarrett's gonna have a very busy weekend, as we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, but Jeff Jarrett will be special guest referee. I look for uh, the Street Profits to win 
this match and get the Unified Tag Team Championship. Again, I would love to see Raw and SmackDown titles be separate so that they're not so there's not so much crossover. Um, but again, their their roster is depleted with injuries, and let's see what happens when Riddle comes back, when Randy Orton comes back. Um, you know when, and then you've got um, Logan Paul versus The Miz, um, which Logan Paul, who's a polarizing character as he is, um, the fact that you know the Miz can turn him into a babyface, you know after at WrestleMania when he turned on him, and then again after this week. Um, going into SummerSlam, and Logan Paul being exclusively signed to WWE, that's going to be something to see. Logan Paul is a tremendous athlete, and he had a fantastic match at WrestleMania. Um, gone are the days where you just keep celebrities to, you know, the, the, the amateur matches. You know, like Mr. T at WrestleMania 1, where he was just doing, like, fireman's carries and, and certain other headlocks and, and other stuff, and it wasn't anything. But Logan Paul was fantastic. Uh, Bad Bunny was fantastic. So, I look for this match with Logan Paul and The Miz to be fantastic uh, going forward. <laughs> um, Pat McAfee uh, versus Happy Corbin. McAfee's another one. You know, he's had a handful of matches. You know, his first match was against Adam Cole, and then the second match was in uh, War Games. Um, and then he had a match against uh, Vince, or, well, Theory, and then Vince uh, WrestleMania this year. So, I look for that to be a great match, and it's got a backstory dating back to their NFL days. So, um, I do want to see the real Baron Corbin come back, but I'm not I'm not too thrilled with the Happy Corbin character. To me, it's too uh, it's too gimmicky. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. So, I'm definitely going to be watching it. Uh, it does start at eight o'clock on Peacock in the U.S. and WWE Network everywhere else. Um, so, we'll see, and then. The and then some more big news that comes out is that there's going to be an NXT TakeOver um, or an NXT Premium Live event on the same day as AEW AEW's All Out in uh, at the end of August or September at the beginning of you know, Memorial Day weekend. So let's see how that pans out um, because I want to see, you know, if we're going to end up seeing another Monday night you know, another Wednesday night war, right? Um, so we'll see how that unfolds. And, uh, you know, with Triple H at the helm, maybe we'll see another Wednesday night war. Maybe NXT will be moved back to Wednesday night. Because they only moved to Wednesday night, they only moved to Tuesday night because the NHL was supposed to be signing with USA and then they went to Turner, right? And so that's why Dynamite had to move from TNT to TBS. You know, so let's see how that... Takes lead. I mean, again, you don't have to just like one or the other. You could like everything. It's okay to be a wrestling fan and like everything. So, it, it, it happens. It's something where um, you can like everything, and it's okay. It's, it's not like we're, they're mutually exclusive. You have to be a WWE fan or an AEW fan. Um, you could like absolutely everything, and, and, I, and I prefer that. Um, I'm personally not a fan of AEW. Um, Alright, so... In other news for this weekend is StarCast starting tomorrow, the 29th of, of, of July. StarCast in Nashville, StarCast 5. And it's going to be um, on Sunday, Ric Flair's last match. Um, and that's why I said Jeff Jarrett has a big weekend this weekend. Because the match itself, um, it's going to be Ric Flair teaming with his son-in-law, his now son-in-law, Andrade El Idolo from AEW, against Jay Lethal, who's from AEW, and Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett obviously has a Legends deal aside from his um, bit, uh, corporate job with WWE on live events, but obviously this has been signed beforehand. Uh, but So he's able to participate in this, and there's actually a pretty good, um, a pretty good uh, match, uh, match list for, for this upcoming um, show. And um, if I'm, I'm gonna actually look for it now, um, sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't, um, um, I wasn't planning on going over the entire card, um, but I do want to actually go through it because it's actually pretty good. Um, 
let's look at the card, shall we? Um, because it's going to be a, a... Yeah, here we go. Ric Flair's last match. So, it's an upcoming professional wrestling pay-per-view on Fight TV. I, I'm, I'm not going to watch the whole thing. Uh, you know, under the banner of Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, Conrad Thompson, uh, you know, obviously, and David Crocker had, have been produced and promoted it. It's going to be on Fight and In Demand. Um, Ric Flair will headline the event in the final match of his 50-year 50 50 career teaming with his son-in-law Andrade against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. However, there's going to be stars from AEW, um, Black Label Pro, DDT Pro Wrestling, uh, Future Stars of Wrestling, Impact, Lucha Libre, uh, AAA, MLW, NWA, New Japan, Ohio Valley, Progress Wrestling, Ring of Honor, uh, and so many more on there. Um, I don't think WWE would definitely be on there. but So there's going to be um, a... Bunkhouse Battle Royal, Adam Priest versus Big Damo, Brian Myers is a name I know, Billy Ray, obviously WWE Hall of Famer, uh, who's on Busted Open, uh, Crimson, Crowbar, Gringo Loco, James Storm, Cal Hero, Commander, Ricky Shane Page, Sin, Bodie, Wolfie D, who's a, you know formerly of the Nation of Domination and, and PG-13, and then there's probably more to be named later um, in the Bunkhouse Battle Royal. Then there's a uh, Ren Narita versus Yuya Yuya Yamura singles match. Um, this match is going to be a banger, uh, which I I might you know watch the the recap just to see this match. Davy Boy Smith Jr. versus Killer Cross, formerly known as Carrying Cross. Um, the Von Erichs, um, Marshall Von Erich and Ross Von Erich versus the Briscoes, Jay and Mark Briscoe. That's going to be a tag team match. Um, the Wolves, Davey Richards and Andy Edwards versus Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin. Um, the Rock and Roll Express, uh, represented by Kerry Morton and Ricky Morton with Robert Gibson in their corner versus the Horsemen of Brian Pillman Jr. and Brock Anderson with um, Arnie Anderson in their corner. Um, Alan Angels versus Jonathan Gresham versus Konosuke Takeshita um, versus uh, Nick Wayne in a four corners match. Um... Another four-way match is going to be Bandito versus Laredo Kid versus Ray Phoenix versus Taurus. I'm wondering what the difference is between four corners and four-way. Um, three-way match for the Impact Knockouts World Championship is going to be Jordan Grace defending against Deanna Perrazzo and Rachel Ellering. Uh, singles match for the Impact World Championship, Josh Alexander defending against Jacob Fatu. And then the main event match is going to be Ric Flair and Andrade against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Really, obviously, Carter's always subject to change, but it's a pretty good match lineup that's pretty stacked going down it. Um, I'm going to be watching the roast of Ric Flair that's going to be on, I think, tomorrow night. I did pay for that um, on Fight. I wasn't going to pay for the entire thing because, I, to be honest, you know, Ric Flair is obviously 73 years old. He's had ill health. He's got a pacemaker, which is why Triple H retired. Because he's got a pacemaker in, in, inside of him now. And Ric Flair has one too. And there's a reason why WWE would not clear him. Um, to even be in that angle with between Batista and, and, and Triple H back a couple years for the leading up to WrestleMania. You know, like Rick, you know, when Ric Flair was dragged out of his you know, birthday celebration um, locker room by Batista. And um, to get Triple H's um, attention... You know, he said, no, let me do it. I'll get beat down. And they said, no, you're not medically cleared. And, you know, we're just going to set it up that way. Um, and, you know, he wrestled his last match against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania, you know, how many years ago? 13 years ago now? Um, you know what I mean? So, uh, and that was 14 years ago, WrestleMania 24. And then he went to TNA because he needed the money. And now, you know, with this. I, I'm worried. Like, obviously, Ric Flair said he'd rather die in the ring and, and everything. And, you know, i got to give him credit and, and respect for that. But he's beloved by so many people. And, again, he's had his time with, you know, the critics because of the dark side of the ring, you know, uh, plane ride from hell issue and, you know, how he, you know, is a sexual deviant and all this because of the helicopter and everything. You know, it's like, come on now. How many years ago was it, 20 years ago? Not that it really excuses it, but, you know, it's like, and then 
again, the, the woman, the flight attendant, has been jailed for robbing jewelry or whatever it was. So is she really the most um, uh, credible of, of, you know, witnesses or whatever? I, I don't know for sure, but I'm just... Anyways, I'm, I'm still a Ric Flair fan. I, I still, you know, I respect him and appreciate his work as an adult. I wasn't a fan of him growing up. But I've grown to appreciate and respect him. I don't want to, you know, like, I don't feel this match is necessary. Like, I get it, it's making money, and then the intrigue is there, and he's teaming up with Andrade, and they have a really good storyline with Jeff Jarrett, and how, you know, Jeff Jarrett was, uh, you know, whether he's a horseman or not, I don't know if that's the whole story or not. But, again, I don't necessarily know, I, I, I don't know, A, who would clear, medically clear, Ric Flair to wrestle. I mean, granted, it's a tag match, so it's not going to be a singles match, and he's going to have some time outside of the ring, and the major, the majority of the ring time is going to be Andrade and, and Jay Lethal, I would assume. Um, so, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go down. All I know is I fear for Ric Flair's safety. Um, you know, apparently he said he wanted to dive through the ropes, and Charlotte put a kibosh on that, thank God. Um, obviously, she'll be there in attendance, won't be shown on camera. Um, and, and Ric Flair's had other offers, you know what I mean, to uh, go over to Europe and, and wrestle with 50 grand or 100 grand, like, you know, and he just wants, you, know, you know, he wants to do more than just a woo and a chop, you know, he needs to be better than anything he's done since the match against Shawn Michaels. I mean, it goes to show you that there really is, um, um, you know, there really is no retiring wrestler. Hulk Hogan has retired. I don't foresee Hogan coming back as another, you know, with another match, right? Um, which I'm, I'm kind of shocked they didn't get Hogan for this match. You know, Hogan versus Flair tag match or whatever. Um, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> um, there will be no flipping from the top rope. And apparently Charlotte has told her dad he's not allowed to do that. So that's funny. And this is from uh, the sports, you know, from the sports start. Um, but, you know, I'm not exactly sure it, how that's going to go. Again, like I said, um, there's a reason why WWE ha wouldn't medically clear him. And I, I have to stand by that. So, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to happen, how that's going to work. But, I think we're just about done with this episode. We've gone over almost an hour. However, there's one final segment that I do want to go over. And this is something that I happen to find hilarious and I'm getting this from you know from MSN news sources um, and I'm gonna insert my music here one moment all right so the reason why I chose that car crash because it's gonna be the what the F happened here moment of the week and this just came out uh, Monday um, so it is technically from this week instead of last week, but this is a WTF moment. A Taco Bell manager threw boiling water onto customers. Apparently, there was a uh, an order that was done wrong, and um, the people complained, and a Taco Bell manager threw a bucket of water on them, a bucket of boiling water on them. That's just horrible customer service. And amazing to me that... I, that it's been going on like, that, that, you know, I mean, obviously the people are now suing Taco Bell, um, holy crap, man, that's just something that I would never, ever expect to happen, um, at all, like, you gotta be having a really shitty day to have, uh, to, to throw boiling water on customers because they complained about something, you know what I mean, like, don't get me wrong, being in customer service, people complained all the time, you know, people complain all the time about everything, it's like, why the hell would you throw hot water at them? Like, holy crap. Anyways, let's be on me. But that's it for this week, folks. Uh, thank you for listening to the inaugural episode of Suds in the Squared Circle podcast. My name is Vinny Apicella. I'll be back next week and uh, with more General Hospital, WWE News, and some results from SummerSlam and also um, Ric Flair's last match. So we'll talk to you all next week again. On Suds in the Squared Circle podcast. Have a great day, everybody. If you happen to enjoy the show, 
definitely go ahead and follow us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at SudsSQCirclePod. And on TikTok as well, which is Suds underscore SQ underscore Circle. And definitely give us a five-star review, five-star rating, and subscribe anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. As always, have a great day, and thank you for tuning in.